guys. Welcome back to episode seven. And I'm here with May tonight. And um, we're already kind of in the middle of a deep discussion. And it's about how do you change something of yourself that you don't like? And May and I have a little bit of a age difference between us. So May's in her early 20s. And I just turned 30. uh, Just for reference. But when I was about your age, I went through kind of a character uh, enlightenment because I was, I did not always used to be who I am today, believe it or not, as a hippie would like. But in full, like full honesty, I was so mad. I was mad at the world around 20 I was like 22, 23, but I woke up one day and I looked in the mirror and I just hated what it was doing to me. Like I felt terrible. Like I just, I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror. Like I was just so mad and I was mad. Like I was mad at my parents. I was mad at the world. Like I was just mad at things that had happened in my life and I couldn't feel anything other than anger or emptiness. And I decided that day that I was going to change and it was a long time ago, but I definitely think I have. I don't know if mine can be changed in a day. I don't think anything can change in a day. Like my character, my habits often happen in the spur of the moment. And then I think about it the next day or two days after. I'm like, fuck, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I create that? You have to just like own those parts of who you are. Like, I don't want to. Like, it. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want I'm not saying own it as like lean into it. I'm saying own it as like you have to be accountable and start being aware of those habits. And that's how I started. Like I had to start finding the cause, like what was causing me to be so angry before I could really tackle that. So anytime I would like be mad or like feel like I was like ready to just like explode with anger, I was like, okay, what is making me feel this way? Like, why do I feel this way right now? Like, what made that happen? And so over time, I realized, like, there were certain patterns in my life that was causing me to start having, like, those outbursts of emotions. And I, that's when I started to really learn about, like, setting boundaries and healing, like, things that had happened. And what healing looks like for me was not necessarily what it looks like for other people. And those really like healing moments of clarity, like who I wanted to be and how I wanted to change. Like I wanted to be a good person to simply be a good person. And I think you have to want that. You have to want to have that change. I think my issues are a lot more superficial than that. Well, that's like partially what's so embarrassing is just, I know my reasons. 
I know why I do what I do, and they're for really incredibly shallow, superficial reasons. It's either for attention, validation, I'm either one-upping someone, I don't know, but it's for very, very superficial, very shallow reasons. Well, at least you're aware that that's what they're for, because you could not be aware of them. I don't even know what you do or where you go, like... I don't even know where to start on how to fix that. I mean, I would probably say maybe like therapy. Like I would start there. Like I'd love to like sit here. You can talk all you can talk all day to me, but like ultimately I'm just out here winging it like what you. What therapist do? I don't know. Like I was in therapy for, I was in therapy for a really long time. And I will say therapy definitely gave me tools to help me process. I'm embarrassed to go to therapy. No, I loved it. Honestly. Like if I go to therapy, I would probably never tell anyone. So I'm embarrassed and I definitely like feel and see the stigma around people who go to therapy. So the reason the, The reason that I stopped going to therapy is because I was using, I started using that I was in therapy as a crutch to not implement the tools that I was supposed to be learning. And so I was like, you know what? At this point, I know it or I don't. It's kind of like going for a test, right? I either know how to do these things and I'm able and like, and have the wherewithal to utilize that. Like, it's not like I only went to therapy for like a couple months. Like I was in therapy for years. And that's why like when I moved here, I was like, I'm starting from scratch and I'm going to be, I'm going to figure out who I, like who I truly am and love my life and love who I am. What do you do in therapy? I just find it so odd to go and pay to talk to a stranger in hopes that one day you open up about the deepest, most rooted issues of your life. And I'm also, again, like I said, I'm probably a really shallow person, but I feel the stigma around having therapists and the need for a therapist And I would rather know that I don't need one to live my life. I mean, I think... And that I'm stable enough to not have one. It's not about being stable or not. You recognize that there's something that you need to deal with and you need to fix, right? And I think, one, recognizing that is a huge step anyways. But now what are you going to do to fix it? Not doing anything. Here we are. You're aware of it. But if you don't do anything to fix it, if you're not going to, not that you're not wanting to change because obviously you are. Is there a difference between a therapist and just going to your friends? Well, I'm not a qualified person to speak to. I... I don't know. I guess because I started going to therapy at such like a young age, it just, or a younger age, like a moderate age, I guess. I guess like 
what the fuck is a moderate age? I don't know. Like, I don't know what is. Like, middle age? I don't think you're I'm even middle aged right not now. middle aged. That's incredibly rude. Um, <laughs> what is a moderate age? I don't know. I think the first time that I went to therapy was when I was like 12. It was like a family therapist situation. When I was younger, my mom did force me into therapy. And I never participated. I never, like, I threw fits on going just because I thought I was so embarrassed. Just even, even if I didn't tell my friends, me knowing that I had a therapist embarrassed me. But all, honestly, I kind of liked it. Oh, but I would never admit that to my parents. I yeah. never have. I probably never will. And I never did. But there was, obviously, a, we had a big conversation off record just about everything that's going on. And I think it's been raised. I have a lot of rooted issues from just my 23 years of life in certain relationships, friendships, situations that I've had. Mm-hmm. And... Looking back on it, my mom was a very, very big believer in therapy. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I never told her anything that I was ever going through. Honestly, if anything, I lied, absolutely lied about everything in my life. Yeah. And she's my mom. She can see through that. She just didn't know what I was lying about. She just didn't know what I needed. And so she was a big supporter of therapy and she put me in therapy as a kid. But I was so ashamed by having a therapist, I was also mad at my mom for thinking I even needed one. I thought that was like a weakness in character. Um, it made me even more insecure knowing that I might have to have a therapist just to be okay. But when I was in therapy and like I actually saw my therapist face to face, I really liked it. I will say I lied to every single therapist I ever had as a kid. Well, maybe we get you in therapy and you don't lie to your therapist. Maybe we start, maybe we start there is like, let's be honest with the people that are trying to help us. I have always lied about, I'm going to say this once and only once. Okay. <laughs> My entire life, I've always lied about how much I care about anything. Like you've always like downplayed it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've always lied about to my therapist. I always lied about how little I cared about what my mom thought. I cared a lot, a lot. And I always verbatim would say, I don't need her. Like academically, I'm smart and I'm going to be okay. And that was a route I would take. And I was just like, I don't need her. Because this was during a time that my mom and I were fighting a lot. Yeah. And I just always told my therapist, I was like, I played victim in the room for sure. Mm -hmm. Over what? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not quite remembering. Like, I don't really remember, but I definitely play victim where like... Were you playing the victim or were you able to like feel what you were feeling? No, I was straight up lying and playing victim. No, you were straight up lying? Okay. Yeah. Um, I would lie about whatever version I told the therapist about my fights with my mom and my relationship with my mom, I always absolutely victimized myself. 
I you always, played it up more than what it was. Yeah, and it was always around the story where I was this really smart academic kid and my mom just didn't support me. She was crazy. She just like was really hard on me. Um, mm-hmm. But I was honestly such a good kid and yada da 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 and that I really didn't need her and I didn't care for her approval. Um, which was such a lie. I was struggling in class. My mom actually wanted me to drop a lot of my AP IB classes because she saw the stress straining on me, but I refused to drop out into regular classes. Um, and I had terrible grades at some points. And I would tell the opposite to my therapist. I would be like, I'm a straight A student. I take... IB diploma, whatever, never even applied for the IB diploma. And Did I would you... still say, like, my mom is so hard on me, da di da di da. And, but that's just one of many examples of how I have communicated about my life situations with friends, with therapists, with my parents. Well, good news is, is that getting a new therapist means that you're starting over and... That's a really big jump in character development. I think that we just full send you. I think this is what we do. I think we take the most extreme measures, like no baby steps. We just full on, full blown send it and we see what happens. Like maybe we expedite your character development. The director of my work just chatted me. I'm sorry. Ooh, what'd he say? Just so you know, directors are really high up. Oh, and it's kind of like... They're above. I mean, it's kind of like nighttime. Like It is 9.43 my time right now. Yeah. And I have a director personally <laughs> trying to reach me. What did he say? What did he say? You don't know your pin number? I'm scared. Guys, I started a new job, a very corporate job, about a month ago. They know. We've told them. And by the way, guys, apparently some people listen to these episodes newest to oldest, but y'all, that's not going to make sense. Y'all got to start from the beginning. I'm sorry about the sound. Uh, Learning curve. I know this one sounds great, but listen, you got to start from the beginning so you understand like the jokes and that we're not always, we're not always this deep. Sometimes we're not, sometimes we're funny. So if this is your first episode, stop right here. Stop, stop here right now and go back to episode one. Have you done it? Okay. For the rest of you, you should have already listened. So we all know that May has a new job. It's fancy pantsy and it's late. Like even for corporate jobs, it's late. I honestly got pinged on the most complex situation. I did not follow that at all. I'm going to have such a shitty day tomorrow. Oh no. I can't. I can't right now. Deep breaths. Not it's worry fine. About, let's no, not worry it's about fine. problem right now. The thing is like reading through it is nothing that's act as most things are in most 
things in life. It's actually not that pressing. It only is because it is pressing to our client. Yeah. But it's like really so trivial and so such so a minute, small, it's not even minor. Like- yeah, it's such a minor inquiry. But because this client brings in X amount of money and they personally like want an answer right now. That's why it's so pressing. But fun- like the functionality of this inquiry and everything won't affect a single shit. Oh, okay. So it's just a stupid question. It's a little bit more of a question, but moral of the story, these situations take so much patience because as the employee that's working on the back end of things, you know what the procedures and the reality of these inquiries are and they really don't mean shit. Yeah. But because this client brings in a good sum of money. It is pressing. Yeah. And they, and when they want it, they want it now because awesome service, as you would know this as a server, like no matter how shitty the food, whatever, but awesome service is like the front line of defense in all successful businesses. You don't have to respond right now. Do you? No, because I don't know how to respond because I didn't fully understand it. Okay, see? Let somebody else respond. It's my clients. I will tomorrow. Oh. So I got lucky. I only started a month ago. But the need for employees in the industry that I am and in the department and specific team that I am they were in desperate need mm-hmm. of analysts. Mm. I applied at a good time, just a perfect moment. Yeah. Because someone with as little as experience as I have in the industry don't get presented this opportunity to work on the team with the people, the company in the day-to-day, just this opportunity doesn't come to every person with the very minimal experience that I have. But capacity, there was just so many, it's growing at such a faster rate. Yeah. um, Than anyone anticipated. And I just applied at such a good time. So it was a good opportunity It was a perfect moment. And it was definitely like luck and a blessing. (laughs) Because most people, I've only been in the working force, at least in a professional scale, in like out of college for one year. Yeah. And this was a very rare opportunity for someone as entry level as I am. I think that you have a great opportunity, but I also think that you're great. So I think you deserve it. So. Thank you. You're welcome. I needed that. I've been really blue today, guys. I've had a lot of this past weekend. I've had a lot of self-reflection. And not necessarily growth. 
but reflection on where I have a lot of growth to do before I stand a chance of ever being who I want to be, getting what I want in life. We're just learning lessons right now. Big lessons. Um, did I sob a thousand times in the last three days? Yes. That's okay. It's okay. They the feelings have to come out somehow. At some point, things have we to should just... give context that I grew up. Like I think the last time I cried to a friend was probably when I was sixteen. It's a long time. I'm twenty three now. Yeah, that's a long time. It's a long time to not cry. Um, between sixteen and twenty three, I'm sure things have happened in my life where I like probably wanted to cry, but I just didn't. I don't know. I feel like this weekend was where the first time in my life where I've looked back on my 23 years of life and realized everything that was major, major events in my life that happened Mm -hmm. that probably has affected me. I realized all of that within 24 hours and I it was just a big spiral (laughs) dark spiral that went downhill from there I think we've all been there I think we've all had dark dark spirals you know like I think it's something that we can all or at least most people go through something like that and it so how do you stop spiraling though like I I'm at a point where I did the spiral I'm might still be spiraling who knows But question is, like, what do people, you know you're spiraling. Mm -hmm. You recognize that you're spiraling and you see you're just going down a black hole. And, like, I'm at a point where I'm ready to admit, I just, whatever it is, I want to fix it. I cannot keep living like this. So you have to disrupt the spiral. Like, you have to do something that, like gets you out of it something extreme or wild or like to feel yourself like to get pull you out I want everyone to understand how embarrassing it was for me it's not now because I've said it a handful of times since Mm -hmm. I've been at your place tonight yeah within the last hour for me to admit that I'm spiraling and like why and what situation specifically that has triggered this and what is really just the reality of my life right now and admitting that and how it's affecting me and my emotions has been like the most humiliating embarrassing thing I have ever said to a friend and keep in mind this was like off record Allie and I had to have a little we had to have a little wow before we started. Before recording. I got on this record. And I just want to make it clear that on this podcast, I'm able to be open about how unwell I am right now. But that's only because this past hour, as you know, I repeatedly kept saying this is so embarrassing and it took me a while to depict what I was feeling and even just saying it. 
Honestly, and I commend it. you for being able to like process like that. It takes me days to process. Like it I'm did. Like, I it's been be since Saturday. I've been. Oh, I guess because like this. I'm just getting caught up. I felt like it was very quick, even though I know it's been over a couple of days. But I think your response is like, I think it's fair. Like, I understand your response. I think I have a very similar one, if I'm being honest. I feel that, I don't know if we're giving them enough context. We're probably not. Okay, so. Short, can we can we do a short story? No. We can't do I'm a I'm not ready story. for that. The audience is too new. We can't scare them with all my dark rooted issues and problems that have made me so fucking damaged. <laughs> okay, so um okay, to put it in the most brief and vague way, that's probably going to annoy a majority of you guys is relationships, friendships, the maintenance of maintaining relationships. I'm going to say relationships, but just know relationships also pertains to friendships. Just it's any all encompassing. Sor- yes. Just any sort of human in your life or individual in your life that you want to keep in your life, rather it's a friend, rather it's a significant other, maybe, I don't know, whatever sort of human to human relationship there is mm-hmm. out there in the world. I've never been open about how I felt. I've dealt with everything internally. Um, I am straight and I've had a lot of failed, failed situations with boys and men rather they were who I thought were going to be my really good friends um or if I they were like potential significant others or um co-workers anything this past weekend specifically on I don't want to say hookups crushes hookups whatever specifically on just the men in my life and in my past Mm -hmm. and all the situations that have happened with them this weekend was the first time I realized the severity of those situations that occurred and how I made jokes of them hid them I would roast myself all the time like those are punchlines of all party jokes and this weekend was the first time in my 23 years of life that all of these experiences have just really, really made me sheltered and standoffish and really scared and just overall unhappy, scared and unhappy. I think there's a lot of truth, like raw truth with what you're saying. And I think it's really brave of you to not only share it with me, but... That was so vague, but I hope that probably didn't clear it clear anything up. I don't think people necessarily need details. Like, I think we know what it's like to feel those emotions. I'm just going to put a warning that if you are like me and you spent your adolescent years, which is where I think you have the most frequent and wide range of 
people coming in and out of your life. I think it's during your adolescent, young adult years. Mm -hmm. Address the issues that hurt you in the moment because you don't want to be accumulating all these feelings and never addressing them and being so messed up that you go to a party and you make like the most out of pocket, really inappropriate, offensive jokes that actually pertain to you, but to everyone else is kind of like, it was a hate crime statement. And then years later, you're a year out of college and you're sitting in your apartment and you think about this and realize just how unhappy you are and how many people you've lied to about this, all of these situations. And then it genuinely feels like death. Like it feels worse than the actual moment. Well, how these do you situations feel now? have happened. I feel like I'm dying. Even though you like. Right now, I actually the feel the best that I have all day good like I feel better than I have all day but out of everything that's gone that's happened in my life especially within my college late high school college years to now just a string of events that have happened specifically with like significant others or dudes whatever dating Mm -hmm. but not really dating but potentially dating right now feels worse than when it all actually occurred. Well, right now it probably feels like you're trying to just like pick up the pieces and figure out like what is, what is next? How do you move forward? It's like the weird, Oh, the weird part. I think looking back and replaying and memorizing everything that's ever happened sucks. And then also having to admit at just how fucking soft I've gone how fragile I am and how unstable I am is humiliating like it feels like I'm naked under a spotlight but if I didn't tell anyone it would have just gotten worse oh it totally would have got worse it the it would have been everything and the same way I had processed everything else I had in the past with all these other situations but on steroids Oh, for sure. It was just going to escalate, honestly. Like, if you didn't have this happen, it would have just, like, the explosion would have been much worse. Like, this is, like, relatively not that bad. Like, do I still wish there was a shit ton of cocaine around me and I could just get all up in there and forget about this? Yes. Unfortunately, uh, not my choice. (laughs) I don't have any of that for you. I don't dabble in that. But you do shrooms. Yeah, those are very different. Like, worlds different. (laughs) Shrooms would make me so much more scared. Are you serious? I can't see things. I don't like psychedelics. You have to like... So you know taking, you know taking the like you know, taking mushrooms, you are going to see things. Like that's the thing that you have to have in your mind. Could not be me. Knowing. But I will say that the more that I've done them, the more I understand them and I'm able to have that control. Like when you're on mushrooms, one of the biggest things that you have to do is separate your ego. Like you have to separate that because like you're 
having this experience and this is like, it's an experience. Like if you fight the mushrooms, that's where people fuck up is when they're like, oh no, I don't want this to happen. And they start freaking out. But if you relax into them and just know like nothing is wrong, this is simply just, I signed up for this and just relax into it. I like, I love Adderall and I love Coke in very dangerous levels. Mm-hmm. I love, I'm the type of person that drinks nothing but coffee all day. I'm the type that like when I'm shaking and I'm got my head in a thousand places and I'm like working on 10 different projects and I'm talking so fast, thinking so fast. I like that feeling. I do not like seeing things, but I like being cracked out. I think it's because like I, that made me sound like a meth addict. It kind of, I have never touched meth. I've never seen meth. I have never. Oh, but you'll just do a plate of blow, won't you? <laughs> God, I would bathe in that shit. I wish it wasn't bad for me. Yeah, it's not <laughs> good for you. That's for sure. It's horrible for you. I didn't do it for the longest time, for like years. And then I found a, when I was flying back from Asia, my friend found a bag of Coke, like a lot of Coke in her pocket. Um, like the night before we were flying back from Asia because she went to a rave um, oh, the shit. night before we were flying to Asia and she got so feral and so ratchet I guess she just like woke up after her rave and met me at the airport fucking she 40 was, minutes <laughs> yeah 40 minutes late she through an airport with just a bag of coke yeah and then oh we found God. it in her pocket in Asia oh my and God. and then we were like and we need to customs do we, twice yeah but we like after consciously knowing we had it on us, we couldn't go through it again. Oh yeah, because y'all would have been paranoid. Yeah, y'all would have so got we just at the airport just did a the few bumps. middle of Vietnam, a few bumps. Oh my god, no, we did, we did more than a few. Oh man, <laughs> we split the bag. Oh my god, um, we were just in the bathrooms of Vietnam with our well we didn't we forgot our money so it wasn't credit cards or debit cards I don't know probably like my insurance card I don't know line those bad boys up oh my god I cannot the best flight I ever had my stomach hurts god spent $20 at McDonald's another $20 at like McDonald's Burger King and then another 20 at Starbucks. No, give me give me mushrooms all day long. You can have that. No. Um, they don't like, ugh, I don't like feeling like that. I want to talk about something else really crazy I saw at the airport. Let's talk about something crazy. Not to get super deep. Well, to get super deep. We've already deep. been super We've deep. Already We've already been, been super there. deep. We didn't even give a trigger warning. No. Moral of the story, I'm messed up. And I have a lot of healing to do. Anyways. We're happy to be on this journey with you, though. Shut up. Anyways. She's so nice. Anyways. When I was at the airport in Vietnam, quite literally, the securities came around and grabbed all the Middle Eastern men. 
like track their past for anyone who was a Middle Eastern, not Middle Eastern men, any Middle Eastern. They grabbed them, put them in another line, held them, and they were there for longer than the 40 minutes that I was in line to get through security. What? They did not move. They took their passports. They required all their extra documents. I don't know. They were collecting papers, took their passports, and they were in a line that said something screening. I don't know what the said, but it was like, it was targeted for sure. Ooh. And I have never seen anything quite like that. Was it just like chaos? Like just like a bunch of like officers like or people who work for the airport? It was, yeah, it was officer. It was security. It was TSA essentially. And then like all of a sudden out of nowhere. About three of these employees went around. Anyone who looked Middle Eastern checked their passport. And if you were Middle Eastern, they took you to another line and took your passport and did like an additional screening. But I don't know what the screening was. I know it took a really long time because not a single individual in that line had progressed to move forward while I was in the um, line for 40 minutes. Oh, my goodness. And that was a moving line. Like I was in the normal line for... Travelers, international travelers. Yeah. Um, and the airport was just big. I mean, it's Hanoi, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. It's a city. Um, line was long. It's like end of summer, early fall. So there's quite a decent amount of, of travelers, travelers still. during that time. Yeah. So our line was moving. Theirs was not. And it was definitely targeted because the man behind us was Indian. And quite often, Indians can look Middle Eastern. Mm-hmm. And they saw his passport, and he was Indian, and they didn't take him. But they took everyone who had a, who was from the Middle East. Wow, man, woman. There happen to there just happen to be no children. I don't think, but I'm sure they would have taken them too. Well, probably they weren't going to split up families. I would hope not. Anyways, I mean that's terrifying. Anyways. Yeah, so I've never seen anything like that in my life. And this might make me sound really ignorant for those who are listening to this and have seen. That was an act of discrimination. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Oh, no, That's for discrimination. Sure. For sure. And I have never seen such blatant, not only blatant, but also approved yeah, like practices this is like systemic in my life, just out in the public. Now, I do also think in the U.S. especially, discrimination is a lot more heightened here. What we would call discrimination here is not necessarily, it's not as consciously thought about like yeah. in other places yes in their day-to-day there's less self-awareness about discrimination in other places because let me tell you there are i've i'm chinese should i say that i mean that's what you are okay no i'm just saying like is that 
give our identity? No. Okay. So I I'm Chinese. <laughs> okay. So I'm Chinese. I was born in China. Um, and I, as a child, grew up going to very, very Chinese households. My nannies were Chinese. My babysitters were Chinese. Like the very, very traditional Chinese household that had the grandparents living there, the parents living there, and then my babysitter, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, older generations didn't speak any English. These women were so out of pocket. Like thinking back on what they said and how they describe people was so out of pocket in which today would be so offensive. Ooh. Kind of funny. But <laughs> Ooh. like they're like, oh, who's your fat friend over there? <gasps> oh, who's a dark lady over there that's <laughs> with the big ears? Oh my like, so that, just like straight up just they if they don't know, they describe it how they see it. Yeah. I bet that was a a time when you were younger. That isn't just older generation shows. That's like a lot of immigrant families. Mm-hmm. I think like you come in, they're like, but they also are like that about themselves. So I don't know if well, if they're like that about themselves is like they're straight to the point. They're straight to the point. They say it how they see it and they say how their reality is. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard stories of, there are a lot of jokes about immigrant families making like out of pocket comments um, or like a lot of comedians from immigrant families that always roast about how their parents would straight up make inappropriate jokes about how poor they were. So they needed to do X, Y, Z or. Yeah. But that was a reality of like, yeah, that happened. Like they're yeah. just putting it in a funny way, but like those were things that these parents and grandparents don't mean it as a joke at all though. Yeah. It's don't. not meant to be giggled at. No. Did you giggle though? Yeah. Oh my gosh. All the time. <laughs> Actually in Thailand, in Thailand, someone literally like a vendor chased me with a pair of shorts and like, we have extra large for you. No, they did not. You're tiny. They did. It was a man actually. And he was like, come here, come here. We have extra large for you. What? They called my friend a monkey. She's Latino. Why? Why? Because she looked like a monkey to them. They point, they stopped and pointed at her like a vendor. I was like, ooh, monkey. And I think it's because maybe she has big ears. And she's also like kind of dark because she's Latino. I was she's like, Peruvian. We laughed so hard. I don't know. That's it's just fucked so, up. That's so off-putting. Like I can't, I don't even know what to say because like to sit there and think in a public situation and even in like, Oh, I think it would be worse if it was a private situation. Like you're at your house and somebody calls you a monkey. Like I think that would be pretty terrible. But in a situation where it's like, you don't know any of these people, you're just walking around and somebody points at you and calls you a fucking monkey. Like I would be like, well, I mean. Me and this specific friend though are also have a lot of really inappropriate jokes within each other. 
they're like safe with only between us. So that was probably karma. Like both of those are karma. I don't know. I always try to remember like to be able to laugh at myself, but still like that's just so mean. That's so mean. It was so funny. It was mean. When they pointed and called her monkey, I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fucked up, but do it again. Yeah, <laughs> like that's funny. If, listen, don't don't come at like any of my friends. Don't come at any of my friends. Like I did not have her because, back like that. Because like <laughs> I will listen, all you gotta do is give me a look and I'm gonna have I'm gonna have their back. Like hundred percent. Like No, we, we both just laughed. Like, what are we doing? Like, I don't know if I received an insult like that, what I would do. But if my friend did, I would try to catch the vibe on what she wanted me to do. And if that was like, yell at somebody, I'd yell at somebody. I think she kind of enjoyed how fucked up it was because that's just how messed up we are. Well, y'all had a time there too. We did. So honestly, at that point, I probably would have just laughed because it's like, well, what else is going to happen? We did have a time. Y'all were literally vibing with like no way to get money. This is when I had no money and no realization of just how messed up of an individual I was. So I was living on cloud nine. It was fine. I was doing wild shit, being a wild person. And then I got back and a month later, here we are. I like fucking grew up. What the hell, man? You got rocked. I'm getting rocked right now. Yeah, you're currently in the rocking. This audience probably thinks, wow, she's so unstable and so crazy. I mean, who is who is stable at the age of 23? Like, tell me who is emotionally stable at the age of 23? Because your frontal lobe isn't even fully developed until like 25. So I got a year and a half. Yeah. I don't know. I started feeling like I was coming like fully into my like self and having that like like having that point where I can stop and be like, is that really a good decision? Like I started doing that when I was around like 27, 28. And I was like, maybe this isn't a good idea. So I've had a couple years of practice on, on that. I have a random question. I have an answer. What is your thought? I already know the answer. You're pretty open about it. Well, what's the Sex question? on night one. What do I think about it? Yeah. Personally, Personally, not for everyone else. Like, I think it's safe to say that neither you or I, whatever people choose for themselves, we cannot give less of a fuck. Like, if you want to okay. get gangbanged, if you personally are out and want to get gangbanged one night, on night one with whoever you're meeting with, and that's what you want. That's awesome. Go yeah, ahead. Like no judgment. No but judgment. But for you personally, how does that make you feel when you do have sex with someone on night one? By the way, me, May, um, I'm Catholic. And that does have an influence on... On your, on your views on it? On my habits. My personal habits, though. I'm not a Catholic that is like... Everyone become Catholic or you're going to hell and you're going to live life with freaking AIDS. <laughs> That's not the type of Catholic I am. 
I personally am in, am Catholic. I go to church. I try to go to church regularly, and it does have a big influence on my life and, and my I practices. I think we should get rid of all organized religion. So <gasps> we can... We can okay, totally, we're gonna circle back to we that. We can be totally open on I'm so glad we've hit this level in our friendship where we can be totally open about it. We'll this. come back to that. We'll but circle. to sex on night one, like personally, what is your comfort? I think I'm gonna surprise you because I don't have sex on night one. Okay. I've only only ever I've only ever done that once. Like, but we had known e- we had been talking to each other for several months before. So I don't know if I would consider it like fully as like a night one situation, but like, cause we had been getting to know each other. But anyways, um, yeah, I've only, that was only, I've only ever done that. Do once. you have a specific threshold of like when, you will have sex with someone or is it purely situational? It's totally situational. It's totally about the vibe. Um, I do make it very clear. Like I, I do say like from the jump, like, Hey, I'm just meeting you. I don't know you. I'm not comfortable bringing like one, bringing you to my place or two going to yours. Like we don't know each other like that yet. Um, but I'm, I do make it very, very clear. Like, I'm not, we're not doing that today. Like, I don't know when, but I want to get to know somebody. I want to, like, have that trust. I want to understand who they are as a person. Because let me tell you what. There's people that I'm like, oh, you know, I'm attracted to them. They're nice. And then... We'll go out for coffee and I'm like, you're a fucking weirdo. Like, not like not a good vibe. Like, no. Or like coffee went well. And then all of a sudden they're like drunk calling me in the middle of the day. And I'm like, what's happening? And so no, like I just, I have a very low tolerance for crazy. So I think that's partly why I wait so long because like I'm just not very I'm not into the casualty of that a lot of people I feel like can be in that mindset like I've never had a one night stand you've never had a I've one night never stand. not once had a one night stand I did not see that coming yeah I've never had a one night stand and I've always been You're very- kind of a freak in the sheets when you describe your sex life. Well, with we me. won't be describing that right now. But I did not see that coming. I just have this like I guess it's one of those things where I I like how I'm the one that just explained to the audience about I'm so Catholic. Let me tell you guys. I've had a handful of one night stands in college. (laughs) This is the complete opposite of what people would probably expect. I don't know. I feel very, like, I feel like I protect that part of myself very deeply because I, I feel like when you are intimate with someone, you have a transference of energy and it's the easiest way to transfer that energy. So no matter like, no matter what, 
what that person feels for you, it is you're absorbing that energy. So if they don't think very highly of you, if they don't respect you, you absorb that disrespect. On the flip side, when they care about you in, and there's trust and they like you at the very least, like not only is it better, but I think you also start vibrating on a different level. And like if the vibes aren't there like at coffee or like before date number two, like why would I waste my time? Like no, incorrect. I'm not about it. And then I just fold in and start doing things for myself like simultaneously starting a podcast and trying to get through this last little bit of schooling that I have and oh it's holiday season at work so like heart like it's just busier and the days are longer and I'm fine I'm fine (laughs) I have had I was just counting in my head to my knowledge as of right now I've had six one night stands I don't life. Is that like, is that a normal amount? I don't know. Guys, let's take a vote. How many one night stands? I'm 23. Have you had? Two of them. Yeah, two of them were in high school, senior year. The other four were all between freshman, sophomore year of college, and then one in senior year. But none since you've been here. No. I think my one night stand, I don't think I will ever be having another one night stand in my life. I don't desire one. Um, I don't either. I personally don't desire one. Um, So what are your thoughts on sex... On the first date. For yourself. When I was younger, I definitely... I mean, it was always consensual, obviously. But when I was younger, I did it because it was a cool thing to do. Like, you're in high school. People are having sex. You just want to have sex too I guess really that was your high school experience yeah like that was just I don't know it's cool to hook up with people I think we hung out in different crowds it's it was a cool thing to do Um, Um, college is pretty self-explanatory get drunk want to have a wild story I also get horny different college experience (laughs) and you meet Someone who mildly might be cute. One of them I do know was hot as hell. The other ones, I don't know. I was pissed drunk. But that's just college sometimes. Like, um, I will say every single one night stand that I can remember, I felt like shit after. Not from like drinking, but just. Yeah. I didn't want to. It wasn't fun for me. It wasn't 
Um, so like now I don't see another one night stand happening ever again. Cause you don't feel good about yourself. No, I don't. But I do have friends who, who can do that and who like doing that and have fun doing that. And I don't think well, listen, there's I anything wrong speak, with that. Uh, listen, there's no judgment. Do live the life that makes you happy. If that's what makes you happy and that's what they enjoy, I love that they have that capability for their life to do that. My, so my sex practices are so odd and my habits are like really unpredictable because in college and in high school, I was like the hoe who never put out was like my nickname. And when I did, I never told anyone one. Two, it was always just the most unplanned, most unexpected. It was just spontaneous? Yes. And I was always the last person you thought would actually do it. Um, And I was a type that would literally pull up to a party or something and like half naked and then end up probably like taking a nap with the fraternity's dog. (laughs) Just taking a real sharp left turn, aren't we? Yeah, that was me. Well, I don't know, like... I just, for me, it just never made, like, I just never, never had that desire. Like, I just never did. Like, I'm, and I'm very much, and I think part of it's my habits. Like, I don't want to be not at my house. I like to be at my house. I like my dogs. I like to make sure that I'm here for them. Like, and nothing feels better than waking up in your own bed. I, I don't want somebody like, it's not like what I, like you bring somebody to your place and then like you wake up and what if they're still there? What did you do? Were they ever there? I have questions. Oh, it was never at my place. I oh, never yours. let people into my, we talked about that. Except for the yeah. most recent, which God, if I could, if I could freaking rewind and just undo and hindsight's always not 20 not meet that person that would be splendid with that said I would never admitted this ever but since I'm just on a train of truth telling I can't have sex without catching feelings except for the first night with the most recent person that I was catching you up on the first night so but that's because that was initiated but like i came back from asia and i was on a mission and you were and i went with that i was feral and i went with that like mindset yeah you had one that's the only time i've ever went into the night with that intention ever in my life um other than that I just can't have sex without feelings. That's fair. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of people like that. And I also think I'm like so desperate for validation or affection that 
I don't even know if it's real feelings. It might just be like, you just oh, like you wanted attention. to get with me, so you must like me. And it's just like a, but they don't. Well, I think what's important. It's like a really toxic trait of mine. It's just validation. I think what's really important is learning to live for yourself and stop putting your worth in external circumstances. Like at the end of the day, like you have to love you. Like you really do. And I know people say that all the time, but when I started really just understanding who I was and loving who that person is, like that's when I started seeing like a change in behavior. I just think that me personally, especially within the last several days, I've discovered a lot of things that I need a a lot of aspects in life I need to grow in. Yeah. And a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm. Um, But all those times I've had sex majority of the times that I've had sex in my life was for validation fake validation just the act of having sex was like enough to make me temporarily temporarily feel good and like what those freaking 10 hours that I was at their place yeah um and then you feel worse right after Yeah, because there's nothing there. There's no emotion involved. I think that honestly makes it worse. If that's something you do struggle with, like getting validation, security with yourself. Um, I it's like hard to explain because I'm. I don't think I'm an insecure person. I do think I am when it comes to. potentially getting rejected but that's not I'm not the only one who's exposed to rejection that's just part of life is getting rejected Mm -hmm. just some people are better at accepting it than others um I think I get really insecure to the fact that I might be exposed to rejection but other than that I'm don't think I'm insecure. Like I'm not insecure with my body. I'm not insecure to the point where I can't make friends. I'm not insecure to the point where I can't go out or like I can't talk to guys at all. Mm -hmm. But I think when shit starts to get real and I start to see that potential rejection, the chances of that increase or the forecasted hurt that I could potentially experience mm-hmm. is when I start to get really insecure and more insecure than a stable, normal person would. If that makes sense at all. I mean, I think especially in your early 20s, man, like I just, I think that things like, they're just so, they're different. Like your mindset starts to change because you're 
you know, you're done with college, you're in your career and like you're starting to like kind of get into like this. You're making the most money you ever have in your life, but you're still so fucking poor and you never know why. Let me, I'm gonna put that out there. Oh, do you- That is early freaking 20s and post-college. You are making the most money you have ever in your entire life, but you are somehow so damn poor. I was so shocked, y'all. So I may had, we'd been living like in the same complex. We, we moved in a couple months apart, but you'd only been here for like, one or two months, like it was very, very shortly after you moved in and I'm over at your house and you just have all of these like bills laying out. Like they're all over your island. And I'm like, what's happening here? Because this looks like very chaotic. And you're like, well, I'm trying to organize these because I don't know when they're due or how to pay them. And I'm like, okay, we're going to be setting all of these up on auto pay right now. And that's what we did. I forgot about this. This did happen. Yeah. That's, we did that for every single one of your bills. And I had to go in and explain what your charges were on like where we go to pay rent. Cause you're like, I don't understand. I, I thought I only had to pay this much in rent. And I'm like, yeah, correct. That's right there. But we got water and trash and sewage and valet trash. Damn. We got all kinds of things. Those bills add up. Yeah, they do. Just be paying bills. I'm sleepy. Okay, that's fine with me. Okay, bye guys. Bye. That was so abrupt. <laughs>